Blog Talk Radio. Happy Friday, everybody. Welcome to the Michael Cutler Hour. I am your host, appropriately enough, Michael Cutler. It is Friday. It is May the 26th, 2017. Uh, Great to catch up with you, especially before this holiday weekend uh, when we commemorate the ultimate sacrifices made by men and women of our armed forces, all five branches, ever since the founding of this great nation. Um, you know, all too often I, I, I marvel at how Memorial Day um, seems to be a day for barbecues, a day at the beach or air shows, uh, or, or perhaps to go to the local department store and buy some towels, linen, whatever that are on sale for the Memorial Day weekend. We really lost sight of what it's about. It's about sacrifice, the ultimate sacrifice made by God only knows how many hundreds of thousands, perhaps by now millions of Americans who died defending America, defending her people, defending her constitution, her principles, uh, and all that America stands for. Truth, justice, and the American way. Remarkably, um, the American way seems to get deleted from the Superman movies and perhaps from the consciousness of all too many of our fellow citizens and especially all too many of our politicians. So uh, I, I just felt compelled before we say anything else to remind all of us why we have a, uh, a three-day weekend. It's not about being off from work or, or going to a barbecue, although certainly that's fine. But let's at least please remember why we have Memorial Day. Let's also remember that those valiant soldiers who do come home, irrespective of what branch I use the term soldier generically, we owe them a debt of gratitude we cannot repay. So if you know any um, veterans, any members of the armed forces today, be certain to visit them. If you see them on the street, thank them. We owe them everything, just as we do that thin blue line of our law enforcement officers, the first responders, fire department, fire officers, and uh, EMTs, but certainly the men and women of the armed forces, this is the weekend to really pay special attention and special recognition to them. That said, uh, if you're familiar with me, familiar with my program, you know that I'm a retired senior special agent with the former Immigration and Naturalization Service, an agency that picks up where the military, in fact, leaves off. The primary mission of the U.S. Armed Forces is to keep America's enemies as far from our shores as possible. Up close and in person, that task of protecting America and Americans from our enemies falls to the various divisions of DHS, the Department of Homeland Security, the Border Patrol operating between ports of entry to interdict and prevent the entry of uninspected individuals, uninspected cargo, the inspectors at the ports of entry charged with enforcing our laws there prevent from entering the United States criminals, terrorists, spies, human rights violators, 
those individuals who would pose a threat to the safety and well-being of America and Americans. And then, of course, we have the special agents of ICE and also HSI, Homeland Security Investigations. Um, I have to tell you, and there's a remark I need to make about this, no other agency provides special badging and raid gear and so forth to distinguish one law enforcement officer within the same agency from another. The FBI handles espionage and counterterrorism and intelligence, and they also deal with crime. Yet FBI is FBI. They might be assigned to different squads, but you know, while there are lines within the agency, the FBI within the Bureau, they all carry the same badge and they're all FBI agents. Immigration under George W. Bush was so intense, so determined to take the word immigration out of what we do there or they do there, that they created HSI. And I believe it was done to take the word immigration out of immigration. ICE is Immigration and Customs Enforcement. And certainly Mr. Obama, when he came to office on his rampage, made certain that uh, we would do everything possible to not enforce the immigration laws. Uh, And I know that so many people say he was the deporter in chief, and that's only because he manipulated the numbers. Figures don't lie, but liars can figure. So when aliens were turned around at an international airport, something never counted as a removal or deportation before, suddenly got included as a removal. Aliens turned around by the Border Patrol, suddenly those aliens were counted as a removal, as a formal deportation, and they're not. This was done to obfuscate the truth, but it began when the passage of the Immigration Reform Act of 96 came along, so the language got a little bit murky, and of course Bush and Obama were very happy to jump on that bandwagon and make it murkier. We finally have a president who understands national sovereignty, and Attorney General Jeff Sessions, who's uh, one of my heroes, trying to do what's right for America and Americans, not because of left or right. It's not about being conservative. It's about being a populist, about looking out for the average American. How in the world Americans could be angry about a president looking out for them defies comprehension. That's just how insane everything has gotten. The pollsters with their nonsense numbers, the agenda being spewed by too many people looking to uh, literally figuratively make out like bandits by exploiting workers, American workers, foreign workers, legally here, illegally here. This is about flooding the labor pool, because if you flood any marketplace with a commodity, you drive down its value. In economics, it's called dumping. And if you engage in dumping, you commit a felony. Well, folks, by admitting millions of um, aliens, by whether they're coming legally, illegally, getting them into that very crowded and overflowing labor pool simply de- devalues the value of the work done by those workers. Americans, lawful immigrants, temporary um, non-immigrant workers, illegal aliens, everybody, and I mean everybody's getting shafted. And the people at the top of the food chain are literally making out like bandits. And it's not going to change until we, the people, make a change. By voting out of office, any politician from either party, I don't care if they're with the hopping kangaroo party, who refuses to stand up for America and Americans. It's just that simple. 
We are at risk. We saw what happened in Manchester. And I want to make a clear statement to you about that. We will not be safe as long as the vicious, greedy bums at the United States Chamber of Commerce and the corporations that are part of their cabal, if you will, are more concerned with head counts in airplanes than they are with body counts at the morgue. This is about bringing in unlimited supplies of cheap foreign labor, foreign tourists who will spend their money here, and foreign students. We are educating America's adversaries. China is at it again, buzzing our airplanes near Hong Kong, wanting us to get away and stay away from the artificial island in the South China Sea. And folks, I would like a dollar, the dollar, for every Chinese engineer engaged in building that artificial island or building up China's military, or engaged in hacking America's computers and databases, I want a dollar for every one of those Chinese tech people who were educated in the United States. We are educating our adversaries. For all the talk about Donald Trump giving secrets to the Russians, uh, and my understanding is the biggest secret was the idea that bombs can be secreted in computers. Well, we all know about that now, don't we? Because the TSA made it clear that if you're seeking to come to America from certain countries, you can't bring laptops or, or iPads on the plane because of that problem about batteries in those devices um, being loaded with explosives. But if you really want to look at undermining national security, look no further than the fact that we have more than a half million foreign students from India and China, and I'm particularly concerned with China here, not India, who are studying the STEM curriculum science, technology, engineering, math. We are educating people who are confronting us, confronting us, and yet we build our factories there. We allow them to hold our loans. We have put ourselves into a box by greedy bums in the banking industry, on Wall Street, the people at the very top of the um, money pyramid, the, the wealth pyramid. We're being played like a fiddle and they're playing our politicians from both parties the same way by giving them campaign contributions, which, as far as I'm concerned, are nothing more than bribes. We are in a hole. And when you look at the viciousness, not only of the Democrats, but a fair number of Republicans, John Boehner, I call him John Boner, who criticized President um, Trump. Boehner is a Chamber of Commerce guy through and through. That's why I believe he doesn't like Donald Trump, because Donald Trump believes in America's sovereignty, and the Chamber of Commerce does not see a line of defense in our borders, but an impediment to great wealth, their wealth, at the expense of American workers, at the expense of foreign workers, at the expense of people who were killed by transnational criminals because of the drug trade because of terrorism, doesn't matter, doesn't matter. As long as the money pours into their bank accounts, they're happy as clams. To them, dead people that get killed because of open borders are nothing more serious than collateral damage. And that's why what Donald Trump is doing is so damn important and why we need to support him. I don't agree with him on every issue. I don't even agree with me on every issue. But goodness gracious, it has been decades, and I mean many decades, since we've had a populist in the Oval Office. He needs our support, 
And I don't care what your political orientation is. I'm personally a registered Democrat. Can't tell you the last time I voted for a Democrat. I don't know what in the world that party has turned into. But I'm no fan of the Republicans either. I look at individual candidates and determine who they are. And that is my advice to you. Do not vote a party line. Vote for individual politicians. Get involved in the primaries. Because we are on a disastrous trajectory that we must alter if America and Americans are to be secured. We have the opportunity. We have a a decent president with a decent orientation. He really needs to be supported by the American people. And uh, if you know that uh, the websites I write for, go to the websites. If you like my articles, please forward them to your friends. Post them on Facebook or other social media. I'm not a social media guy. I'm kind of the techno dinosaur. I'm lucky I can do word processing, you know. Um, But for those of you who are tech savvy, put the word out. Send emails to your friends. If if you have my materials, put it in an email. Send them the link. Tell them, hey, go look at this article. I call it my bucket brigade of truth. Because when you look at the immigration system, it is failing, but not by accident. And I wrote an article a while back. The title was apt then. It's ever more apt even today. Failure by design. And we'll talk a little bit about that. But we're also going to talk about some encouraging news, legislation uh, that is now pending in the House, the Davis-Oliver Act, uh, by a congressman by the name of Labrador, Raul Labrador from Idaho. And it's not the usual pablum about secure the border, build a fence, and, you know, so forth. And by the way, we've got to do that. And, and you know where I stand on that. But this is about interior enforcement. It's about hiring, um, I believe it's 12,500 new law enforcement personnel for ICE. It's about making certain that no future president will be able to unilaterally decide to not enforce immigration laws. It goes after the sanctuary cities. It does what needs to be done on the issues um, of national security, public safety. Not enough being done on the problem of visas and people coming to America to work and displace Americans. But first things first, let's make sure that we enforce the immigration laws from within the interior. That's that third leg of the enforcement tripod that I've been advocating for decades. It's a topic that I discussed when I testified before the Immigration Reform Caucus at the invitation of Tom Tancredo, who at the time chaired the caucus, about five weeks after 9-11. Interior enforcement has never been taken care of, and that's what has gotten us to where we are now. Interior enforcement is the most critical element. It would go after immigration fraud. It would go after the employers who hire illegal aliens knowingly. Um, it It would really go a long way to help protect America and Americans. And, and this piece of legislation, and the um, and, and the uh, bill, by the way, is HR twenty four thirty one. And if you go to front page magazine, and I know that capsweb.org will also be posting an article that I've just written for them about it. But the front page article is entitled "Davis Oliver Act sets out to enforce U.S. immigration laws inspired by Trump." Says it all. Please check it out. I've given you a lot of links in there so you could see some of my congressional testimony from prior hearings. Um, It it really lays out the issue, the arguments. And then please, please get a hold of your elected congressman. 
elected congresswomen, okay, your representatives in Congress, and let them know where you stand. If you like, forward them the link to my article and tell them that this is the issue. They either support this legislation or they need to look for a new job. It's very simple. It's very simple. If a country can't safeguard its own citizens, what in the world can it do that's worthwhile? Look at what just happened in, in Great Britain. Look at what just happened with those young girls. It's disgusting. It brought me to tears. And what I want you to know is this piece of detritus, this, uh, to use Trump's word, and I like it, the loser, and his loser family. A father apparently sends his son, allegedly sends his son off to blow himself up. You tell me what kind of family that is. It's macabre beyond belief. And um, because he was born in the, United, in, in the United Kingdom, the loser that set off the bomb would not have needed a visa to enter the United States. And I know someone's going to say, wait a minute, there's an enhanced visa waiver program. If we know that the guy traveled to Syria, then he'd have to get a visa. The likelihood is that we wouldn't know. The only reason we know now is because of what happened and everyone's pulling out all the stops. So everyone is scrambling like crazy. But again, after the fact, too little, too late, too little, too late. That's what we're dealing with. Put that on the tombstones. Too little, too late. And now we're hearing how the mother went to the authorities and they ignored her again and again. The same pattern, the same nonsense, collateral damage. Don't get people upset. We're going to all sing Kumbaya in this global community. Never mind the terrorists. Never mind the bombs. Never mind people losing their jobs. Never mind people losing their lives. We're all going to sing Kumbaya to keep the globalists happy. And, of course, wealthy. Remarkable. Um, The visa waiver program should have ended. And the reason it keeps getting expanded is, you've guessed it, the U.S. Chamber of Commerce and their partners in crime over in the hotel, hospitality, travel industries, the Discover America partnership, as they call it, Discover America, ignoring that ISIS, Al-Qaeda, the drug cartels, and a bunch of other bad players have already discovered America. Let's all discover America. Wow. Wow. When does it end? And I am telling you, it won't end as long as there are greedy SOBs who are more concerned with head counts on airplanes than body counts in the morgue. That simple. So, again, I want to make sure that everyone does the right thing here, though. You need to get a hold of your elected representative. You need to make it clear to them, whoever that person is, that our borders are our first and last line of defense. And I find it remarkable that even as security levels are being ratcheted up, we have, we have these sanctuary cities that encourage people to run our borders, that will shield them from detection by immigration law enforcement. But meanwhile, we're going to put more cops on the street. And so here's the question, folks, when you start to think about this. And please read my articles. You'll, you'll see where this all comes together. Are we less safe after Manchester's attack? More safe? Where, where, where does it stand? And here's my take, and I want you to give this some very serious thought. They may have raised the threat level because of information that was discovered when these apartments were raided and the Brits shared it with us. Maybe. Although 
The New York Times certainly screwed that up by publishing materials they shouldn't have published. The New York Times, the gray lady, the, the slogan at the New York Times, all the news that's fit to print. I, I have a better slogan to them. You'll have a fit from what we print. And apparently British intelligence certainly did. But maybe there's some specific intelligence, but more likely than not, the knee-jerk response as soon as the bombs went off was for the mayor of New York to tell the police commissioner, get more cops on the street. And that's fine. You can never have enough cops on the street. But here's the problem. The threat level didn't go up simply because there was a bombing in Great Britain. The threat level has always been high and will continue to be high. This is cosmetic. This is about creating illusions. Suddenly, everyone is thinking about terrorism. They see those images, and I I can't even bear to look at the images, I have to tell you. It's like the pictures of people jumping off the World Trade Center. You can't look at them, but they should be out there. People need to see it. They need to remember what we're dealing with. You know, just as they should never um, plow over the, the, the gas chambers, the crematorium at the concentration camps. Humanity needs to remember the atrocities that other members of our species are capable of. We need to remember because we have a short memory. We live in the era, the age of ADD, attention deficit disorder. <clears throat> Once the news story is gone, no one's paying attention. No one's paying attention. As soon as there's news coverage of a terrorist attack, the rush is to put cops on the street, hold a news conference, and say, we've put more cops on the street. The threat level probably hasn't changed, but the concerns of people have increased. And why are they so worried about that? Because they want the tourists to come in here and spend their money They want them to stay in the hotels and eat in the restaurants and go to Yankee Stadium and go to Broadway. Well, I I like when people do that anyway. That's fine. This is New York. I love New York. I'm a lifelong New Yorker, born and raised and educated here. But the, the amazing part is this is not being done so much to protect us as to reassure everybody that it's safe to come here and spend money. This is always about money, folks. Understand what it's about. It's about money. It's about getting the tourists to come so that they will spend their money. They will put quarters in the parking meters, and they'll pay the tolls going over the bridges and tunnels, and they'll pay city sales tax when they buy what they buy, and it's about the city raking in money. That's all they think about. All they think about. And and if all you got to think about is money, then you ignore quality of life. You ignore the fact that we've jammed so many people into New York. God knows how many people are here illegally, maybe driving without licenses. doesn't matter. Try to get on a road in New York and drive somewhere now. The congestion is insane. I sometimes think, I remember an old Mad Magazine article I read when I was back in college where they recommended that the cure to the traffic jams was to just pave over the car's and elevate the roadway on top of cars that weren't moving anyway. Just get the people out of the cars and pave over the cars. That's what New York has become. You had Mayor Bloomberg wanting to charge us for congestion pricing. His sanctuary policies and the policies that preceded him and that are being continued and exacerbated by the current mayor has overcrowded New York, stretched our resources, travel, 
subways, you name it, to the breaking point. You know, 10 pounds of stuff in a five-pound bag is now 20 pounds of stuff in a five-pound bag. But keep them coming because we're going to get more money. When you are driven by money without morals, without consideration, without concern, then you're as morally bankrupt as they come. When you ignore the findings and recommendations of the 9-11 Commission and you bear responsibility for the safety of the people in your towns, I don't even know what to say. I don't know what to say. And it's both political parties that tend to do this. It's always about the money. It's always about the campaign contributions. As an agent, my colleagues and I were not allowed to take a cup of coffee from somebody when we were on duty. Just not allowed to. And and so, you know, what, what can you say about politicians who are taking campaign contributions that are astronomical? You don't think this influences their decisions? And once again, we've now had another court say that the president has no right to, to ban people from certain countries entering the United States. But, but look at what all of the networks have been saying. Muslim-majority countries. Why doesn't anyone say countries that sponsor terrorism, countries that are dysfunctional, countries that pose a threat to America's national security? the reality but wherever you turn i don't care what the channel is turn the channel when the discussion comes up trump is banning aliens from from muslim majority countries that wasn't the criteria they are not the most populous muslim countries if he's trying to ban muslims he's doing a really 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 lousy job this is about keeping out people who cannot be properly vetted that's what it's about. But every single channel, name the channel. And by the way, when you watch TV, do you notice how much discussion involving the Manchester attack involves where these people traveled? They went to Libya. They were in Syria. Well, this whole story of travel is immigration. And you would think that if the news media was so concerned about what happened, that they would have immigration agents on. They've had enough Navy SEALs, enough generals, enough Army Rangers, enough politicians, enough terrorism experts. Sometimes I wonder what makes them expert. Have they ever arrested a terrorist? Some have. Some of them are clueless, but they did a study somewhere. So they put them on TV. But what you may not know, folks, is that the second largest contingent of law enforcement officers who operate in the Joint Terrorism Task Force are immigration agents, believe it or not. Because typically, typically, um, terrorists are aliens. When we're talking about foreign terrorists, of course, they're aliens who violate our immigration laws, whether it's by committing visa fraud, by using altered documents. Go into the 9-11 Commission report. It's, it's, It's clear as day. They make the point that to a terrorist, a travel document is as dangerous as a weapon. It's a gun in the hands of a terrorist. Well, passports are the bailiwick of immigration. So turn on the TV, flip around the channels, and see where you get a former immigration agent to come on. It doesn't have to be me. I've I've done hundreds of shows. It gets old. But I will tell you to their credit, who does get me on frequently, it's Newsmax. 
I've been on with One American News Network and the Dana Show over at Blaze. The other networks are not bringing on former ICE agents, HSI, Homeland Security agents. They don't want to talk about that. They want people to forget that immigration is the issue. They want to make people forget that our first line of defense is our border and that terrorists who come here through international airports are a threat. I have to tell you, it's infuriating that we're not getting the truth from the networks. Judge Napolitano came on and said that when people run the border, they should be arrested. When they violate their visas and they pay their taxes, we shouldn't do anything to them. Really? Read the the 9-11 Commission report, Judge. Read where it said that most of the terrorists, not only 9-11, but they looked a decade before 9-11, entered the United States through ports of entry with passports. So when you make these statements, don't bother with people who overstay visas. At least two of the 9-11 hijackers were visa overstays. I would argue they all committed some form of visa fraud because when they filled out the application for the visas to come here, I don't think they wrote, purpose for visit, kill a lot of Americans hijack airplanes, blow up buildings. I I don't think they put that on their application. I could be mistaken. Maybe I'm missing this one. They probably said visiting to see the sights, not visiting to create catastrophe, mayhem, and death. So they lied. They lied. So when, when people talk about immigration, And they try to shove it away and say, oh, we're being compassionate. We're going to let these people stay here. We can't send them home. Oh, better in their mind, I guess, that people go to the morgue than we send people back to their countries when they don't belong here, if they're involved in bad activities. And by the way, this isn't just about criminal aliens. Terrorists are a lot like spies. Somebody once very wisely noted that an effective spy is somebody who would not attract the attention of a waiter or waitress at a greasy spoon diner. Great definition of a spy. You know, in the movies, you know, um, whether it's, you know, James Bond, pick whoever you want, right? The the guy's driving around in a, a, you know, $300,000 sports car, and he's wearing these $5,000 Armani suits. And in reality, if you want to know what a spy really looks like, uh, The Bridge of Spies, the Tom Hanks movie, is a great movie. Look at what, how, how they portray Rudolph Abel. Rudolph Abel with false teeth and, um, you know, kind of an old guy that you wouldn't even pay attention to. That's what a spy is. Not some glamorous guy running around, in, you know, an Aston Martin or, or a Ferrari or, you know. No. You know, Roger Moore, the late Roger Moore, great actor. Uh, he had a Lotus that, that became a submarine. Wow. Pretty amazing. Fantasy world. In reality, a spy is somebody that would walk by you on the street and you wouldn't even notice him. And there's actually a scene like that in the movie Bridge of Spies where a team of bureau agents walk right by him. And they're looking for him. He was that good at blending in. And so if you're a spy or if you're a terrorist and you're a sleeper, you're waiting for that phone call, for the tap on the shoulder, for the email, you don't commit crime. You don't jaywalk. You don't spit on the sidewalk. You don't engage in arguments with anybody. You smile at people that you pass on the street. If they say hi, you say hi. You make good eye contact. You look sincere. And you go about your business waiting for the phone call. 
So when I hear this nonsense, well, we got to get rid of the criminals. Yeah, obviously we do. But don't think we can ignore people that aren't criminals. And if they're here illegally, just give them a pass because they're not the priority. When I worked with Aldamato, and I've said this before, and I'll say it again, I convinced Aldamato back in the early 80s. I was an agent, but I did this on my own. As you know, when you're an agent, there's also a civilian side of you. There's, you know, it's kind of schizophrenic. You, you, the private guy who goes to work and becomes the agent comes home and goes back to being, you know, an average guy next door. So it was in my civilian capacity that I approached the senator and said, look. Um, I have inside perspectives because I work for the INS. I'm an agent, but I believe we're not getting our money's worth because the agency is not doing things right. I convinced Aldamato and got other agents I worked with to come forward to back up what I said to create the aggravated felon reentry law to make unlawful reentry by criminal aliens a 20-year felony. But I also said to him, while we need to prioritize criminal aliens, and they did, only go after criminal aliens. Because then you're telling people that the immigration laws aren't important, that if we're dealing with spies, terrorists, and fugitives, that what we're also doing is providing them an opportunity to embed themselves, and that's dangerous. That's how the Nazi war criminals got away with it. They came here and embedded themselves. And to this day, if you go to the ICE website, you will see where they pick up people who've committed war crimes in Eastern Europe and so forth, or the Middle East, and then they come here hiding. We have to dig them out of the woodwork. It's about justice, as well as national security and public safety. So please understand the nature of this beast that we're dealing with. And, and, and so when, when you listen to the nonsense and when you watch television and you realize that they don't want to put immigration agents on, they would sooner have someone talk about immigration who's a political consultant or a pollster. Why? They do that when the discussion is drugs. They do that when the discussion is terrorism. No, they bring in former generals, former SEALs, former army rangers. But when it's immigration, oh, no, no, no. We can't have immigration agents come on. But I'm telling you, Newsmax has me on frequently. And, in fact, I, I'm probably going to be blogging for Newsmax at least one or two articles per month. We'll see where that goes. Because ever since 9-11, Again, if you're familiar with me, you know, I have been this man on a mission trying to wake up as many of our fellow Americans and as many of our supposed elected leaders as possible about the true significance of America's borders and America's immigration laws. And, and then we get to, to, to a story that's, that's going to blow your mind, and I promise you it's going to blow your mind. So there was a, an article that was released. And May 22nd, and I'm going to be writing about this, so I'm giving you a sneak preview. But you hang in there, and there should be an article out within the next week or so about this. But on May 22nd, the Department of Homeland Security issued a press release. The title of the press release, DHS Releases Fiscal Year 2016 Entry-Exit Overstay Report. So here's what they come up with. I'm, I'm going to read this paragraph to you. Again, you're not probably going to hear this in the mainstream media. You're not. It's just the way it is. It's the mushroom treatment. Keep Americans in the dark and feed them a lot of uh, fertilizer. So here's two paragraphs from that press release. The report, 
meaning the overstay report, specifies that U.S. Customs and Border Protection, CBP, processed 50,437,278 in-scope non-immigrant admissions at U.S. air and sea ports of entry who were expected to depart in FY16, fiscal year 16, of which 739,478 overstayed their admission resulting in a total overstay rate of 1.47%. Of the more than 739,000 overstays, DHS determined 628,799 were suspected in-country overstays, resulting in suspected in-country overstay rate of 1.25%. An individual who was suspected in-country overstay has no recorded departure, while an out-of-country overstay has a recorded departure that occurred after their lawful admission period expired. And, and so it goes on and says this. To protect the American people from those who would do us harm and to ensure the integrity of the immigration system, ICE has recently increased overstay enforcement operations. Each year, ICE's Homeland Security investigations, and I talked about that earlier today, uh, systematically review approximately one million records of individuals who violate the terms of their visa or the visa waiver program, prioritizing leads that pose national security or public safety threats. There's something here that may have escaped your attention as I read those two paragraphs. So here's an open book test. Is the total number of overstays 739,478, or could there be more? Now, while you're scratching your head and wondering, let me read to you again who they were talking about. They were counting people who were admitted through seaports or international airports. What are we leaving out? The millions of people who entered through land border ports, Canada and Mexico, legally admitted, not included in the numbers, not included in the numbers. So what's the real number? We have no idea. Now, a couple of weeks ago, I wrote an article about false claims to U.S. citizenship. So we really don't know how many illegal aliens are here because we have people sitting in jail falsely claiming to be Puerto Rican when, in fact, they might be Dominican or Colombian. Falsely claiming to be from the U.S. Virgin Islands when they were born in Jamaica or Trinidad or, or some other country in the Caribbean. So now we add to the what we don't know column the land border entries. We don't know. Now, this issue is so critical. The article, the press release made it clear that this is about national security to keep us safe. In, two, in 1996, when they reformed the immigration laws, one of the requirements was to create a tracking system for non-immigrant visas, visitors, rather. Tracking system. Nothing was done. 9-11 happened. The 9-11 Commission said, you better do something about it. In 2004, a company known as Accenture, Accenture, A-C-C-E-N-T-U-R-E, Accenture, got the contract. It was a multi-billion dollar contract to create an entry departure system. Ten years later, they were given more money and more time. Ten years later. We went to the moon in nine years. It took 44 months to win the Second World War, including building nuclear weapons. And we didn't have the computers People were doing everything on calculators, basically. I mean, think about what we did then and what we can't do now. 
44 months after 9-11, I was at a hearing where we were told that immigration was working on a mission statement, melted down at that hearing. Uh, the transcript is out there. It's unbelievable. So we're told this is national security by the 9-11 Commission. Still not done. Eventually, they gave up on Accenture. By the way, if Accenture sounds familiar, familiar, this is the outfit, you ready, folks? Fasten your seatbelt, responsible for the disastrous Obamacare website debacle, if you remember that, Butte. Accenture, by the way, was headquartered in Hamilton, Bermuda, when they got the contract. Of course, they argued and said, no, 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 no. We have 25,000 people working in the United States. But some members of Congress were very upset about it and said, no, that's not the case. This is an offshore company. And then they moved to Ireland. And when I wrote about it, I got a nasty letter from one of their people saying that we're not an offshore company. So I gave the guy my cell phone and said, call me. He was a retired military official. Never called me. So understand what we're talking about. Big problem. Very big problem. And, and yet, what, what do we do about it? Absolutely nothing. See, this is blue smoke and mirror game so that nothing ever changes except for the fact that we wind up with uh, this, the same usual nonsense that the system does not work. It's not supposed to work. What the immigration system is supposed to do is placate the U.S. Chamber of Commerce and their buddies by dumping millions of authorized and unauthorized workers into an overflowing labor pool, flood our schools with foreign students, and flood our streets with foreign tourists who spend money. So the system is working for them. Problem is, it's not working for us. So now catch this. You heard about how important this is. So the... Office of Inspector General, this is Internal Affairs, May 23rd, 2017, three days ago, issued a report. And it was the testimony of Inspector General John Roth before the Subcommittee on Border and Maritime Security, Committee on Homeland Security. Now, here's the topic of this hearing. And again, I'm going to be writing about this. Uh, it, it fries my brain when I read these words to you. I hope you have the same visceral reaction. Title. Visa overstays a gap in the nation's border security. And I would remind you, border security is national security. I wrote an article with that very title. So now I'm going to read something to you, and you are going to flip. And then we're going to, to, to just try to figure out where we are with all of this, where we are with all of this. Um, I'm going to begin reading the, the preface of this report. Chairman McSally, Ranking Member Vella, members of the subcommittee, thank you for inviting me here today to discuss the Department of Homeland Security uh, work relating to visa overstays, including our recent audit report, DHS tracking of visa overstays is hindered by insufficient technology. Never mind the billions that we've spent on it already. Billions. Billions. We still don't have the technology. But I wish that was all that's wrong. Please listen carefully. Because when I'm done reading this, I think you're going to have steam pouring out of your ears. If you take blood pressure medicine, take it now. You're going to need it when I finish this paragraph that's coming up. You've been forewarned. Don't blame me. The results of our audit, this is now the, the um, inspector general saying this. The results of our audit reveal that DHS's information technology or IT systems do not effectively support U.S. Immigration and Customs Enforcement visa tracking operations 
for the following reasons. This has been going on for over two decades. Over two decades, ladies and gentlemen. Think about that. 21 years. Now, let me read this to you. Because that's when they first called for it in the 96 Immigration Reform Act. So here are the reasons. You want to hear the excuses? Surprisingly, my dog ate my homework isn't one of them. That would be a better excuse than what I'm about to read to you. Identifying and investigating potential visa overstays requires pulling data from dozens of systems and databases, some of which are not integrated and do not electronically share information. In 20 years, they couldn't make that happen. And since 2004, when Accenture got the contract, they couldn't make that happen. Now, let me continue reading more excuses. Access to real-time data is mired by system access restrictions. The need to retain up to 40 passwords, four zero passwords, and systems that are not updated. Next. ICE personnel do not have the training and guidance they need to effectively identify and utilize the myriad systems currently available for visa overstay tracking. And finally, in the absence of a comprehensive biometric exit system at U.S. ports, DHS relies on third-party departure data, which is not always accurate, and fails to capture land departure data. What was I saying about land border ports? which accounts for the vast majority of visitors exiting the United States. Also, for the visitors entering the United States. They didn't mention that, by the way. And then they said these deficiencies have significant real-world impact, including a backlog of more than 1.2 million visa overstay cases. Next, considerable resources wasted investigating thousands of leads that should have been ruled out as visa overstays, that is, individuals who already left the country or applied for or received immigration benefits. Arrests of less than 0.4% of the individuals who potentially overstayed their visas and Congress receiving DHS overstay reports that underestimate and distort the true scope of the visa overstay problem. And it goes on and says, until the department properly equips its personnel with the tools and training required for the vital work of tracking visitors who overstay their visas, timely identification, investigation, and adjudication of visa overstays will not be possible, increasing the risk to public safety and national security. What more do I have to say to you? What more do I have to say to you? On September 11, 2001, 19 young men barely out of their teens inflicted more casualties on the United States, on the U.S. mainland, in New York, in our financial capital, and in Virginia next to Washington, where the Pentagon is kind of straddling, and the field in Pennsylvania. Those 19 hijackers inflicted more casualties on us than did the entire Japanese fleet at Pearl Harbor on December 7th, 1941. And we're talking about 1.2 million visa overstay cases. And you had a president by the name of Obama who did nothing about it. You had a president by the name of Bush who created DHS in such a way that it was impossible to get the job done. They took immigration, cut it into little pieces. 
that couldn't talk to each other because of something known as the third agency rule, because of a president by the name of Reagan, who did not hire more immigration agents, but saddled immigration agents with the responsibility of employer sanctions to go out and go after employees who hire illegal aliens. We did not have, we had 2,000 agents back then. That's not enough to do any one of the 20-odd missions that immigration had. So what did Mr. Reagan saddle us with? An amnesty. It was supposed to involve a million. We wind up with almost 4 million illegal aliens and even included a confidentiality provision so that immigration agents could not share amnesty files with any other agency, including the FBI, without a signed court order from a federal judge. So if some FBI agent ran into my office and said, Mike, there's a guy driving through midtown Manhattan, and he's got a nuclear weapon in the back of his truck, we need his photograph. And if I went through the paperwork and said, yep, I've got the photo, but it's only in his amnesty file, if I turned it over without a court order, I could be looking at five years at a federal prison. Why? We don't do that with any other immigration records. Why were those amnesty files sacrosanct? I believe they were sacrosanct to encourage fraud, so that by not sharing the data, nobody would figure out who's who, what's what, and who's lying. Both political parties have done this to us for decades. Jimmy Carter started the nonsense of don't call illegal aliens illegal aliens. And along comes Donald Trump, the first president in decades to say this is a threat to national security, and the courts have tied him up in knots to make sure he doesn't do any damage to the global agenda. See, attacks on Donald Trump are not really attacks on Donald Trump. You only think they are. They are attacks on American sovereignty. That's what they are. Because there are too many people making too much money by keeping America's borders wide open. And because this president stands the dangers, because our Attorney General, Jeff Sessions, understands the dangers, the goal of the politicians, even if these are fruitless investigations, I hope they are, my gut feeling tells me they will be fruitless, what it does is to distract, to confound, to so tie him up that his agenda of securing our borders and enforcing our immigration laws gets sidetracked. These are stalling tactics to keep him distracted, to keep the government distracted, to keep the American people distracted, so that every single day, thousands and thousands and thousands more foreign workers, foreign students, and foreign tourists can pour into the United States, violate our laws, and face no consequences. There was a politician in New Jersey who actually wanted to get a law passed. They sent it to Governor Christie, who refused to sign it, thank God. But the law said that if the president is successful in blocking the entry of people from countries that sponsor terrorism, that the state of New Jersey would order federal employees in New Jersey to not enforce federal law. Think about that. To exempt New Jersey to exempt New Jersey, state law. Where have you ever heard the states countermanding federal law that way? And this is about national security. So if you're in New Jersey or you have friends that are there, look up the yo-yos that are behind it and vote them out of office. There isn't even a conversation you could have with those politicians. They need to be fired. They need to be fired. They are willing to risk terror attacks. They are willing to have gangs set up shop in New Jersey, whatever, also that 
their global agenda can proceed. But this particular law that, that they want to pass was aimed specifically at blocking terrorists from entering America. And they're looking to block that program that's supposed to shield us from international terrorists, even as we look at the carnage in Manchester. I'm speechless. I am speechless. I'm astonished. I don't even know what I'm supposed to say or think when this kind of madness come to pass for another day in the United States of America. Could you imagine that if they had said in New Jersey, hey, we're not going to allow TSA to screen anybody getting on airplanes to look for guns or knives or check the no-fly list? Everybody would go insane. They'd say we're not getting on the airplane. Well, how many terror attacks of late didn't involve airplanes? The Boston Marathon, the shooting in Florida, San Bernardino. We go right down the list. No airplanes. No airplanes. But in order to attack us, as the 9-11 Commission noted, they had to come here. So you have the president saying, let's make sure the terrorists can't get here easily. And you have state officials in New Jersey saying, oh, no, 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 that's not fair. We need to let the terrorists come to America. That's basically what they're saying. That's basically what they're saying. And if you don't believe we're engaged in a war on terror, pick up the newspaper, turn on the TV, look at the carnage in England. Look at what happened here in San Bernardino and at Boston and on 9-11 and all these other attacks. It's for real, folks. It's for real. And when you have people who took an oath to uphold the laws and the Constitution and to defend the people of this country doing this kind of business, um, I don't know. How do you define treason? How do you define treason? Why are we educating people who are using their military to buzz our jets and warn us, look out? And meanwhile, the engineers building their military are being trained in the United States. We've lost our collective minds. And, and I, I will tell you that you, as Americans, have a responsibility. And, and I call it a stand-your-ground mentality. I'm a peaceful guy, and I don't ever want this to be anything but peaceful. But we need to engage in debate as we celebrate and commemorate the unbelievable sacrifices of all too many of our valiant soldiers. <clears throat> Let's remember they fought for the First Amendment, freedom of speech. College campuses are shutting it down. News programs don't tell the truth. We need to stand up to these thugs. If you want to really honor our soldiers, then we need to make politicians and university campuses get the point. Free speech, open debate and discourse is as American as apple pie. And we must not back down. We must not be intimidated. We must get our voices heard. We must get our voices heard. And... It might take a little guts on someone's part, but get your voice heard. Write letters to the editor. Call the news stations when you know they're lying through their teeth or not telling the story the way it needs to be told. Make them accountable. Make them accountable because too much hangs in the balance. And it's not only for our current generation, but if you're a parent or a grandparent, as I am, then we're talking about our children and their children. What world... What future will we leave to them if, God forbid, America falters? Waiting in the wings, it's not England or France. I could certainly deal with that. Canada, great. The Yankees don't have to win every World Series. 
with folks waiting in the wings. Iran, Russia, China, ISIS, what could possibly go wrong? Hang in there, folks. Have a wonderful weekend. But I, I really urge you to remember, as I always like to point out, that democracy is not a spectator sport. Please go to Front Page Magazine, capsweb.org, the social contract. Hopefully soon I'll be blogging for Newsmax. And pass that information to as many folks as you can and be a part of my Bucket Brigade of Truth. Have a wonderful three-day weekend coming up. And I look forward to seeing you again right here next week on the Michael Cutler Hour. Good night, everybody.